Welcome to another episode of Behind the Studs, your home improvement and remodeling podcast, where the two most entertaining guys discuss the do's and don'ts in home construction and in the remodeling industry. Remember that you can nail it, paint it, or just tune into the show. How about that? Uh, here are your hosts, Colin Shaw and Jimmy Driscoll. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Behind the Studs. Hey there. Jimmy, how are we? I'm tired. You're tired? Yeah. Yeah. You worked hard. I hang at the sheetrock with the men there. The yeah. Last, the last two days, man. Yeah, I tell you, it's been crazy. We hang at, use my mato, put it up in there. Now I'm going to go have some pozo chinois. That'll wow. Be fine. Yeah. That means shepherd's pie in French. And I'm not even French Canadian. <laughs> but I've worked with so many French Canadians that hang sheetrock. Hey. Yes, they are amazing. You know, and that's it. Now, basically. do you wear the stilts or no? Uh, no, no, never did, never will. Okay, all right. I'll end up on my ass with broken legs and <laughs> I limbs. I want to see it. No, <laughs> I didn't even know how to get up on them. What happened? You either. gotta go to the bathroom. You gotta get off the stilt. <laughs> how do you get off of them? How do you get on them? Know. Get off of them? I don't know. Yeah, it's crazy. Oh my god, yeah. But they're good at it. Well, they used to use them when we were building Mohegan Sun. They really? Walled, they were they were skim coating the ceilings in the hotel, and uh, Perini was the was the safety and the the contractors on the job. Yep. And they looked up on the 15th floor, and there were the sheetrockers, the mudders. Yeah. Guys were mudding the ceilings, and yep. they were on stilts. Yep. They were above the safety railing. Oh, oh no. So if they slipped, it just go right off. Right over? Oh, so my God. Was like, get those things off. <laughs> you're yeah. going to do it on a ladder. Yeah, do it on a ladder. Do it on a ladder. Absolutely. So, yeah. Hey, listen, we got a guest this week. I know we do. Isn't that exciting? I tell you, the man, the myth, the legend. Right. Absolutely. Yep. So we have Andrew Leggy with us. Hey, Andrew, how are you? I'm great. How are you guys? Andrew Leggy from Tahoe, right? From Tahoe. That's right. That's nice. right. Lucky. Nice. I know, right? Yeah. Beats, beats Connecticut for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. It actually snowed. It actually snowed about ten minutes ago. Really? Get out. Yeah. Did it accumulate at all, or no? Uh, it accumulated yesterday, uh, but okay. then we lost it all towards towards the end of the day. Um, yeah. But yeah, we this is the end of our storm season, and we get some funny ones that slide through here. So um, it was no, nice to see that. But in about a week or so, it'll stop, and then it'll be sunny every day for about four months. Wow. And was it was the temperature like out there? Uh, it'll swing from about 80 to 40 almost every day. Wow. Awesome. Okay. 80 is good. That's great. Yeah. So whatever frostbite you have, it thaws out by the end of the day. Yeah. Or yeah. And then it freezes yeah, no, again. No lasting, no lasting injuries. You got to wait for winter for that to happen. Oh, my yeah. God. <laughs> so before we get to what you do for a living, hobbies-wise, do you guys uh, you do a lot of skiing out there? Yeah, there. that's why that's why we live here. Yeah, uh, you'll find you'll find a whole bunch of people here, myself being one of them that have migrated from the East Coast uh, in this direction, tons of yeah. UVM grads. And, um, you know, it's really about uh, a recreational lifestyle is why people end up here. And yeah. um, then every once in a while, you know, you 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 try and find something to do with your time. Um, I didn't take the direct post-college route that a lot of people here did. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's a fun place to live because, um, what you'll find is that almost everybody here has chosen to live here. So there's very little complaining that goes on. Nice. nice. There's yeah. a whole well, lot of complaining lot of going on over here. I'll tell you that. <laughs> and the number one person right here. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, we're, we're we just, we just all of a sudden, you know, turn 80 and we wake up and we forgot to move. Yeah. It's too late well, I mean, so yeah, you know. Yeah, as as mentioned, I, I'm originally an East Coaster, so I know exactly yeah. how that, how that can go. 
Mm. Right. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you look healthy and vi- you know Doesn't vibrant. He? Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. Yeah, we hate you already. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I figured we'd spiral into that, so let's just go. Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll just pretend for the rest of the show. Don't let's worry. talk about your miserable job. <laughs> All right. So tell us what it is you do, sir. Yeah, buddy. Uh, so Havelock Wool is a company that we put together about six and a half years ago on a very simple premise. Um, the residential and commercial insulation market is rather substantial in size, somewhere between yeah. 14 and 16 billion US dollars. Wow. Um, and it's filled with a lot of subpar products at best. Um, and, and, a, a quick review of the industry led us to understand that the conversation was basically a manufacturer's led race to the bottom in our view, right? Of course, Mm -hmm. these are all, these are all opinions, um, whereby the only measurable, um, unit in the equation was cost. And if that's the only thing you're measuring insulation against, you're, you're kind of missing something really important in what you're building. And so there's a practice that's gone on for hundreds, if not thousands of years, whereby uh, people in other parts of the world take what is arguably the most dynamic fiber on the planet um, that has evolved as an insulator in nature across thousands of years mm-hmm. and use it in the structures that we build. And that um, fiber is, of course, wool fiber. Um, and so that's what we do. We, we buy wool in New Zealand. Because, and we can talk about why we get it from there. Yeah. Um, but, it, but in short, we buy wool in New Zealand. We ship it to ourselves very, very, very effectively um, on ocean freight to our factory in Reno, where we make insulation in both bat and loose fill form. And after six years, I can say we've turned a little bit of a corner. And okay. we now actively ship across North America. Um, we are seeing... Um, I'd be a stretch to say heavy interest uh, offshore, but actually we did close our first deal today that's going to Japan, which is kind of interesting. Oh, wow. Great. Um, and so, but, but the, the focus of our business is, is North America. And the reason why I make that distinction is the Canadians are really um, forward thinking with building science and in turn building practices. So <clears throat> we're in that market and that discussion quite often. So this is something that's been around for many, many years that not necessarily everybody knows about. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, you know, wool, uh, it kind of goes back to the 1940s and war preparedness discussions by the head of Burlington Industries in front of Congress and a um, desire to see fibers move to more synthetics because they could be more easily controlled and the you know, I don't want to get into this sort of profit monger thing, right? Because we all yeah. need to keep the lights on. Um, but essentially, you know, you could get out of a market that was volatile, the wool one, um, and you could make your own fibers and then you could sort of better plan your business um, and better plan your scale. But in those days, you know, there was around 100 million sheep in the US. And, um, you know, now there's 30 million in New Zealand, which is about 11% of the annual yield. And in the U.S., there's almost no wool to speak of. So, um, you know, there's been a big change in, uh, you know, 60 to 80 years. Okay. Um, well, that fiber, literally, the first sheep were domesticated 10,000 years ago. And that fiber has evolved 
to do some really cool stuff that is inherent. Um, and that's protecting sheep from the elements, hot and cold, wet and dry. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of working for you all the time. If you look at it under a microscope, it's very dynamic. It has five follicles. There are a bunch of amino acids in there that are going to bond with harmful chemicals like formaldehyde. So mm -hmm. it's just one of these things where, yes, it's very much turned into an, an awareness first, education gain second. But for anybody thinking logically, um, particularly if you can get it inside the primary air barrier because of the indoor air quality aspects, mm -hmm. using wool as insulation is a no-brainer. Um, right. it, it's just you guys will know better than me. This industry does not like change. No. Um, and so, <laughs> no, it does not. No. Well, I have, so, I, I have some news. Yeah? Um, yeah, if I can stop you for a second. Mm -hmm. There is talk. I heard, this from, I heard this from Caroline, by the way. Okay. We talked about this. And you probably heard about this, too. Um, there is a gentleman or a company out there right now which is trying to do now insulation abatement, just like the mold abatement. Have you heard yep. this yet? Besides the lead abatement, now they're trying to jump on the bandwagon that they want to get abatement companies in to remove insulation because of its oh. harmful effects. Have you heard that? Wow. I have not yeah. heard that. So what I'm trying to say is you may be sitting on a gold mine here. Because, well, I wanted to ask you, like, the wool, does the wool have any dander or any, like, you know, any bad side effects like allergies or stuff like that where well, insulation? It's actually, yeah, no, right. sorry. It's actually hypoallergenic. Right. Um, wool is also a keratin, so it's protein-based, which means it doesn't support the growth of mold. Um, yeah. And so, you know, one of its major characteristics it's, is active moisture management. So literally those five follicles in the fiber will take in moisture um, when it is over 65% relative humidity. And then when the ambient air drops below that level, it will actually desorb and put that moisture back in the air. And this is oh, wow. actively occurring through seasonality and of course, different climate changes. Um, and one of the major things of course, is that um, you know it's not conducive to mold development, um, but it also means that it's not damaging the fiber, right? It's got all of this um, um, dynamic construct, which means that year in, year out, it's actually going to keep doing what it's supposed to do. It's not going to break down. It's not going to mold. And therefore, to your point, it's not going to be subject to abatement. All right, because we have a problem right now. And it's becoming more and more frequent because of climate change and we're getting more mold. And mm -hmm. Colin can testify to this too, as I do. And it's just happened today. We are trying to hang sheetrock on and they're putting our 15 insulation in, which is too much insulation in a two by four wall, but that's code. So what's happening mm -hmm. is there's no breathing in these homes. Houses oh. don't breathe in. They went from seal tight, that's a problem, back to opening it up, get more lucid, get more airflow. Now we're going back to that again. We were discussing this yep. two, three months yep. ago that they're sealing these houses up, and it's, a, yep. it's dangerous. It's and dangerous they basically say your house cannot breathe. They Which, do not want it to breathe at all. And you and, can't breathe. I mean, I, yeah, I don't know how, how that's healthy to keep you know, everything locked inside the house and not allow it to breathe. So you're breathing, yeah. you're breathing, you know, you're breathing chemicals as far as I'm not concerned. Only, yeah, exactly. Not only the chemicals, but – you know, a family of four 
will generate like two and a half gallons of water per day. Where's that stuff going if it can't get out of the house? Right, right. No, right. right. Yeah, right. I don't get it. I don't understand how this is a, a good idea. I mean, we got it right with the roofs now. We finally figured that out, that we have vents, soft vents. We do ridge vents. So air circulates yeah. out, of, out of the top of the house. But on the sides of the house, um, I have to say, we're working on old homes. You know, we've gone this before. You actually mm-hmm. you own the house. There was one <laughs> building that was built in the 1700s, 1600s. And there was, there was a gap between the, the, the planks of the house and the siding, right? I got to tell you. It was amazing. It was cheaper to heat it, and it was cheaper to cool it. You know, because it was a there was a vapor barrier, but there was there was circulation. So I'm trying to promote you, and basically I'm I'm feeling what you're saying that wool insulation is so much so much better for circulatory reasons for like water capacity, which is amazing, which which every house should do, be able to expand and contract. Um, so I'm on board with you. I'm on board with your product already, you know? Yeah. Thanks. I mean, and, and the cool thing is everything that we talk about, you know, it doesn't, our company's called Havelock Wool, but you can take the Havelock out. That part doesn't matter. This is all about wool. And when you look at wool and what we're talking about here is a coarse wool fiber. So let's define that very quickly. It's really easy. If you're out there, you know, running or exercising or whatever in the wintertime or skiing, you're going to be wearing merino wool. And the micron level of merino wool is going to be around 16 to 18. It's going to be softer. It's going to sit against your skin and it's not going to bother you at all. We use a coarse wool fiber, which we all might be able to remember, you know, our mom making us wear the old yeah. sweater. That- <laughs> oh, hey. yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was coarse wool. And that's what we're using. And that micron level is, is uh, more um, around 34 to 36. So um, admittedly, that even that fiber has changed since you know, 30, 40 years ago when we were wearing those sweaters. But um, that's what we're using. We don't have a synthetic mix. Um, you can literally roll around in this stuff. You can have your kids roll around in it. And it's just amazing what, what the inherent characteristics of this fiber are. And so I don't have a background in this space, um, but I was spending a bunch of time. I lived in Asia for six years and I was spending a bunch of time in New Zealand. And um, I just got captivated by the thought of doing this. And so I started speaking to architects and builders um, back here in the US. And every time I had a conversation, all we heard was, Bring that product to this market. We need it. We've got to have a better solution. That's, I mean it. Right. I agree with yeah. you. Yeah. Well, so that's you, why we did it. What's the difference Good. between we when I was growing up in Massachusetts, we had a Victorian home old. My father just went to a home show, was torn between the foam insulation, blown in foam, or the blown in rock wool insulation. At the last moment, thank God he changed his mind and we went with the rock wool insulation. Because the foam insulation became carcinogenic, and people who had to put it in the house, they had to take it all out. Um, the the uh, difference, be- the difference between Rockwell insulation and original wool is is there a huge diversi- yeah, diversity? In yeah, that? yes, there is. Um, right. Rockwell. Um, let me start by saying I think Rockwell in certain places makes a good product. I'm a fan of what they're doing for exterior insulation. Yeah. Um, 
it's definitely a better product than fiberglass, but that's a very low bar. So I don't even want to drag them down. (laughs) Um, But what they are is it's basalt rock and slag. And so if anybody were to say slag is um, a byproduct from um, steel smelting. So what what, what you need to do is you take that basalt rock and you crush it and then you include it at very high heat um, with the slag and they, they, I think they've gone away from it, but I think some of their products still include a formaldehyde binder, which turns some people off. Um, But, but their product um, performance wise has to be way better than fiberglass. Um, Their product innovation is really interesting, particularly on what they're doing with, some of the board stuff and notably on the exterior. Um, the, the, the negative commentary on them is that high heat and the carbon footprint. Um, you know, if, if you want to get into that discussion, and I'm not sure you guys do, but, but no. what people will <laughs> say about them is, you know, I don't know, this is not a substantiated claim, but we've had people report to us that their new factory in West Virginia was burning 90 tons of coal a day. Wow. Um, And that's just, that's a product that takes a lot of energy to make. So Mm -hmm. people are going to say something bad about Rockwell. I think that's going to be it. Otherwise, I think they're making some good products. And I think that, um, you know, as I say, I think the performance is far beyond, um, you know, the, the sort of lowest grade fiberglass and cellulose options that are out there. Do you feel do you feel in the future that fiberglass is going to get phased out? Oh, that's a really difficult question for me to answer and they got I'll a pretty you, strong hold. They got a strong yeah, hold. The technology, the technology I think they're, is making They're huge. They're yeah. cheap and a lot of people just want cheap and so I think the market needs a fiberglass. Um on the health side, I think that it's more dangerous than people know. It and is. I think I think they've already taken care of that because that's not really talked about. If we ever say anything, they get aggravated with us. So I'm not <laughs> here to make any comments about that. Um, but I think the industry needs a product like that for now. One of the things that we spend a lot of time trying to communicate to people is Insulation is about 1.8% of construction costs. So if you're going to go from a fiberglass to a wool and it's going to cost twice as much, yeah. and sometimes it can be more than twice as much, mm-hmm. that's, going to run th- that's going to run through your construction budget as like adding a percent, right? Wow. So this, yep. is sort of, this is sort of rounding error stuff, but you can't, get in the conversation at the traditional time because if you wait until it's installation time the house is over budget it's it's you know delayed by a couple months um somebody wants the marble countertops and the thirty thousand dollar chandelier so the more expensive insulation is not coming into the equation right so it needs to be a health and wellness driven buyer it needs to be a person who's done their research and really likes the idea and the the um, the the characteristics of the product. 
Um, or it needs to be somebody that buys in early and just says, I'm going to make sure my budget keeps that stuff in it because I know how much better it is. So right. that's what we face as a business. Like we got to talk to everybody. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And it's, yep. it's taken us a few years to figure out where our sweet spot is. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, the market can use uh, an, another option, you know, because it, for right now, you know, like around here, we've got the blown in, uh, you know, we do the spray foam, which is a much more expensive product than the mm-hmm. fiberglass. And a lot of people are doing it because it's, you know, better energy efficient house. So, I mean, I think if they could, you know, have another option that is still probably about the same price as blown uh, spray foam, uh, but it's healthier for you. I think it's a, I think it's great to have. Yeah, I agree. I totally it's agree. also a great compliment. And we try to, we try to convey that message. You know, if you yeah. put three inches of foam in the lid, you know, to push the dew point to the outside. And that again, varies by climate change, I'm not, by, by climate zone. I'm not exactly sure that inches that you guys use, um, mm-hmm. but probably, probably two or three um, point being, you know, if you've got a two by 10 or a two by 12 up there, you're not filling that cavity. Right. Um, it's very well known that spray foam, one of the thing, one of the many things that will off gas is formaldehyde. And it's mm-hmm. equally, equally well known. Well, we're trying to make it equally well known that wool eats formaldehyde and irreversibly bonds with it. So we even say to people like, look, guys, we don't care if you don't put us in the whole house. But right. if you're going to spray the lid with foam and put fiberglass everywhere else, at least cover the foam with wool. Right. And so, you know, we're not out there saying we've got to be, you know, an all or nothing we're out there trying to educate people to say there are huge advantages to getting some wool in any project. And I think back to your question about fiberglass, I don't think it's going to go away. I think you're going to start to see all sorts of hybrid solutions. There's this arrow barrier thing out there now, which, you know, you can spray to fill cracks, um, which I'm still trying to learn about it. It doesn't make any sense to me, but apparently it works. Um, and, and, I will happily say that um, we're just not fans of foam. And we are working in the building science community to try and get beyond, because out here, they're still doing a ton of unvented roofs. Um, Really? Really? Yes. And conventional wisdom says an unvented roof has to be filled with spray foam. And we are trying to say that with the building science community, not us, because no one cares what we have to say. Um, We are trying to come up with a solution whereby you can use airtight vapor variable membranes and wool to continue with a non-vented application, but avoid foam. And so I'm actually, there's a building science group uh, that we're working with trying to figure out if we can get down that path. And I think that would be a really big win for the industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if we can come up with something there. So we're, that's our sort of latest and greatest, and we're pretty excited about it. Nice. Now, is the is the wool like denser than than the fiberglass so that it has like a uh, soundproofing uh, attribute to it as well, or no? Yes. The answer is yes. We we're, Our noise reduction coefficients are better than fiberglass, better than cellulose, um, on par with rock wool, and cotton is a little bit better. Um, okay. And um, what I can say is that is just our standard products. Like we haven't tried to make anything yet for sound. Okay. But wool is very well known as um, a wonderful sound attenuator. And um, so we just do it with our existing products. And someday when we, you know, aren't as 
stretched as we are now, yeah. um, you know, we may get into making something that would be a little bit more dense and therefore probably grab a little bit more sound. Okay. Um, but as it stands, we're outperforming most of the market anyways. So, right. Um, there are some, some advantages to using us from that perspective as well. The Tesla of insulation. <laughs> That's what I see. You know, it's, um, again, it's, it's back to a wool fiber, right? It's just, and it comes back to supply. It comes back to supply, supply and demand, right? Cause you have 100%. to get it. You're Yeah. Cause like you just said, America's got nothing and New Zealand's got it all. So, I mean, you'd have to increase your, uh, productivity if it takes off, but that's why probably why it's so expensive. Correct. Is that, is that what you um, say? It's not expensive. The good thing about the expense is you're getting what you're paying for because the fiber is expensive. Right. The right. process is quite cheap. Um, hmm. they, they pack wool in New Zealand with a 200 ton press. So I put 44,000 pounds in a 20 foot container. That's pretty close to maximum density. And I move it to my door for about 3% of the amount of the goods. So that's like sort of the bottom end of logistics costs, which is great. Um, and then it comes into my door and I run some repurposed 60 year old carding machines that I bought mostly in South Carolina that were part of a bygone era here of manufacturing textiles that have gone offshore. Um, those machines run on VFD uh, motors. Um, they're all electric. We run gears, chains, pulleys, sprockets. And, you know, every once in a while we clog something up and it jumps out of place and, you know, we replace a bearing, but my power bill is about $6,000 a month. And I'm in a, wow, Jesus. I'm in a, wow. I'm in a 55,000 square foot facility running three processing lines. Wow. So, um, you know, I think for me, it's just sort of fair to describe mm -hmm. what we view as success. And if you go back to that $16 billion industry, if we get half a percent, mm. we've, ex we've exceeded our goals. Right. And there's plenty of wool for that. Okay. Um, All right. So, you know, I think that um, there's a long way for us to run. There's a lot for us to do to keep us busy. Um, but, you know, we are starting to double quarter on quarter. Wow, uh, great. Year year on year um we haven't had that you know proverbial tipping point but i can tell you it's a lot easier than it was a couple of years ago these days um you know we're a lot more um forward with our messaging and our marketing and our you know wanting to share what we know of course about wool but what we're also learning about the building space um, which we really enjoy. Um, and, and we like to sort of convey thoughts that we hope are meaningful for people. And it seems to work. And people now are sort of calling more with, you know, how can I get it? And less with, right. um, you know, why are you calling me and why do I care about wool insulation? Are you right. all over the country now? Are, are people, where's your, where's your biggest market right now? Um, great question. I'm really happy to say, I don't know the answer to that. Um, <laughs> yeah. we, are, we are, we are really active. Um, to be honest, 
everywhere. So we've got distribution, uh, Eastern Western Canada. Um, we work with 475 High Performance Building Supply near you guys. They're based in Brooklyn. Uh, Center for Green Building just picked us up in New York, just north of the city. Um, we're selling it directly into Vermont quite a bit uh, because everyone in New yeah. England kind of gets it. Yes. Uh, um, we've got a distributor in North Carolina, a company called Caragreen. And then we've got a group that just picked us up in the Midwest. And then we're, we're well covered from Seattle all the way down through California. And then, you know, Mountain West, we do some stuff in Wyoming. Um, a uh, lot happening in the Pacific Northwest with people thinking, you know, forward thinking on building. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, you know, there's always the one-offs that we see across the Southeast as well. So I, I'd kind of say we're... You're all we're over the place. You're all over the place. All right? over the place. And, I, you know, there's got to be some anchor in, you know, let's just say West Coast and Northeast. Okay. I, I, say, I say to your product, give it some more time. Uh, not, I mean, I think it's going to take off. Absolutely. I, I think it's going to take off. Um, I'm like as, as builders and like you said, we are all thumbs up for it. Yep. You know, however you do yeah, it in the business world, you know, thanks guys. I mean, yeah, make it happen. Yeah. We appreciate it. You know, there's a, there's a builder down in Fairfield, Connecticut. who's a third generation guy. Um, the company's called Hobbs Inc. Um, hmm. And Ian Hobbs is a friend of my brother's and he's actually been on our advisory board since before we started the company. And he told me at the start, it was going to take 10 years. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. I, I'm sure I didn't want to hear that. Yeah. I'm sure I didn't really listen, uh, <laughs> but I'll tell you, he was right because really? Um, we're six and a half years old right now. Mm -hmm. Um, year four was like, okay, you know, we've been getting our asses kicked for three years, but let's keep going. Yep. You have to. Year five was like, mm, maybe. And year six is like, okay, we're definitely onto something here. Nice. And, and we're, we're up for the, the long haul and the long game. But man, there's been some dark days. So um, yeah. Oh sure, sure, absolutely. With a lot of businesses too, but sure. you know, with something like yours, and you're trying to muscle into you know a fiberglass, um, you know, industry, and you know, quite frankly, I I never even thought of wool until yeah. you know we you know till Marissa, our producer, you know, talked to you guys, and she was telling me about, it and I said, huh. I just never even knew about it. So it's an, it's an education process too, that you have to go through to get everybody aware of this product and, and the benefits of it, um, you know, as well as getting the product here and shipped to where it needs to go. I mean, that's, you guys are, you guys are doing a great job. I, I got a, I got a funny story to tell you real uh -oh. quick on the installation <laughs> thing real quick. Oh, great. I love uh, this. <laughs> when, asbestos was like the 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 demon out there where it, you know asbestos abatement and this that the other thing uh, me working in the commercial buildings and the insulation and it was like okay there were no masks like what do you mean you don't have to wear a mask when you install insulation i'm not kidding you the pink insulation mm -hmm. i said why i said why he says because the fibers are so heavy they'll just They'll just sink. <laughs> and that, too, also with the heavy, 
the heavy green, the the green that's the the fireproofing that they use in elevator shafts. Yeah, that stuff. I'm like, are you kidding me? They go, yeah, that's really heavy. You don't have to worry about that. Wear gloves. <laughs> Wear gloves so you're just because it's itchy. Yeah. I'm like, give me a mask. <laughs> I couldn't say that's that. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It was just like, yeah, no big deal. Yeah. It's no big deal. Go ahead. I mean, I can't even be in the same room now when they're when that's insulation's awful. being installed. Because I just yeah. start coughing and yep. it's just horrible for it you. It is horrible. Yeah. Every yep. single person I've met that's been in the trade. Uh, you know, with it for any time, like you guys, they all say the same thing about that sure. stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's really nasty. It yeah. is. It's, it's really nasty. One other question I had for you, though. Um, yes, sir. With, with the wool. Um, is that considered fire rated insulation? Yeah. Yeah. For, okay. for sure. Uh, we ask for no exception. Um, we conform to Class A of the building code. Uh, so we've been through the ASTM E84. Um, okay. We, we pass like everyone else, the, the flame spread rating needs to be 25 or lower and the smoke development, I think, don't quote me on this one, but I think it needs to be 400 or lower to okay. conform to class A and we do on both fronts. Nice. Um, we're very transparent about everything we do. And so I'm happy to share that um, wool has a high nitrogen content of about 14%. So it's naturally self-extinguishing and it really doesn't want to support a flame until above 1100 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, the, the E84 test is called the Steiner Tunnel Test. It was developed in the early 70s to measure flame spread across a piece of wood. So for the layman, which I certainly am, if you hit anything with a flamethrower, it's going to burn. <laughs> sure. Um, and that's what they do with that test. So it seems a little bit silly that maybe we haven't evolved that one a little bit. Um, but something that, that we have to deal with with um, wool is... Uh, insects and certainly moths, and we can talk about that if you guys want to. Um, but a great insect repellent is something that is um, natural, non-toxic, comes from the earth. It's called boric acid. It sounds much worse than it actually is. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually visited an old boron mine in Death Valley around this time a year ago. Um, but that serves as a wonderful insect repellent that also has a very slight um, flame retardancy capability. So we add about 8% boric acid by weight. Um, And it is added when we clean the wool. So it goes into a giant mixing bowl in New Zealand. um, And it's sort of a white, dusty powder that dissolves uh, in warm water. And it's added to the wool and it attaches to it. Um, You cannot detect it um, when you touch our stuff. Um, But that is something that also helps us uh, ensure that we conform to that um, fire rating, like you asked. Okay, great. So, how does people? How do people find you? How do they get a hold of this product? So that is the fun part of what we do, and it's a very long answer, and that's not what you want. I'm going to make it very <laughs> short. <laughs> uh, it doesn't involve smoke uh, signals or something, or no, no. It's just the go to market. You know, we spent years yeah. going to meet with architects and saying, specify, specify, specify. And it didn't work. Everyone, yeah. everyone loved us, but like we never got specified. Yeah. So, so we are highly communicative is the answer. You can call us and talk to us whenever you want. Okay. Um, when you call us, we will do our best to answer all your questions. And then we will help you find the best way to get our stuff. If there is a distributor near you, we will point you in their direction. If there okay. is not... You can buy it from us directly. Oh, wow. All right. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. 
All right, so there's options. That's good. That's wonderful. There are yeah. options. So, Andrew, the one thing we ask uh, people that are on our show is uh, if they have any horror stories. So we're going to ask you if Only there's one. any horror stories <laughs> that, you know, you came across or you want to share with us. Yeah, mine is startup related. Yeah. OK. Um, I started this company with two other people. Uh, one of them is one of the greatest individuals I've ever met in my life. Yeah. Um, we were, he's an American guy, and we were introduced. Um, um, we were introduced by mutual friends because we both have a love affair for New Zealand. And we've been um, hitting on all cylinders from the first time somebody said hello. Wow. Um, we had a third partner who I would describe as the exact opposite. <laughs> really? Yeah. Um, and, and that person was, was in the equation to look after the production. And so okay. I would say within three or four months and identifying that our head of production didn't know how to produce a product, we oh. had a real, we had a real nightmare on our hands. Yeah. Um, so we moved that person out of the equation. Yeah. This other person that I mentioned, he and I looked at each other and said, let's do it anyways. And, yeah. um, that's when I moved up to Tahoe. And that's when I started spending every day in the factory. And that's when, you know, we created a business that doesn't have a playbook. And, um, you know, I would say that the nightmare is, you know, it's not anybody seeking us out. It's part of startups. There's always unforeseen hurdles that you were going to face. Yeah. And that, that was ours. Um, what, what, the knock-on effect is, you know, somebody who's supposed to know about production and doesn't um, meant that we had to figure it out ourselves. And so there were some associated challenges with figuring out how to make a bat, for example, because mm-hmm. we, we make a bat with no glue in it. We actually take wool and we cart it and we layer it on itself. And then we needle, then we needle punch it. Um, and so, you know, I had to go find a needle punch um, with a big enough, with a big enough span to actually yeah. run the kind of needles we wanted to run. And so, you know, stuff like that. Um, but yeah. I, I'd say that, you know, if you've got an idea and you talk to the right people and then you've got the right amount of staying power, and that can be defined in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, you'd like to think that if you just stay at it, when you, again, when you've got a, a product that works, the market will catch up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you just, you just gotta be willing to wait. But in terms of like this horrible story of, you know, something going wrong or some terrible disaster, you know, in someone's <laughs> house, I'm very happy to say we have not had <laughs> good. Well, well, good for you. You're, you're, good. Not, you're not part of our team anymore, but that's yeah. why. <laughs> I'm sorry about Damn that. Damn it. I wanted to be on that team. I know. So many people do, really. Yeah. We blew insulation into a greenhouse. It didn't work. <laughs> it was a uh, bad idea. Bad yeah, idea. Yeah. yeah. All right. I think we're done with puns. That's yeah. it. But above. All right. Andrew, thank you very much for joining thanks, us. Andrew. Thanks for very, educating very us. Uh, everybody, please go to havelockwool.com. Uh, is actually a very good website, uh, very um, well laid out. I thought very informative, educational, 
Um, and I also found out how much insulation I would need to insulate my vans. Oh, really? Yeah, they have they have a little um, little chart there. It tells you how much you're going to need to insulate your vans. Man. Yeah, pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. 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 So Very cool. thank you for Guys, that. Guys, it, uh, it, it's absolutely my pleasure. And I really appreciate you having us on. This is, um, it's been a lot of fun. And, um, uh, you know, we thank you for what you do and trying to educate people uh, in the, in a very um, complex space. So um, thanks for including us. So absolutely. I think, thank you. I think, Andrew, the other thing is too, I'll just let you know, we have a show that we're now working on. We're, we're, we're putting a series together, a seasonal series together for a show called Behind the Studs on the Road. So mm -hmm. it may give us an excuse to come out to Aspen and come to your factory. <laughs> oh, right, yeah. we're, we're, we're going to go to Nevada? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Why All not? Right. Why yeah. not? <laughs> well, you, well, honestly, you guys are welcome anytime. Um, we have people that, that tour. Some people come through. Uh, planning to spend five minutes and, you know, an hour later, we're like, okay, guys, we got to get back to work. You need to leave because, uh, you know, it's not something you see every day. So um, if we ever fit with your plans, just know you're more than welcome. Oh, thank you very much. That's awesome. That's bro. very nice. Thank you. And don't worry when Jimmy shows up on site, work stops. It stopped. Great. <laughs> so, Great. It's yeah. time to have a lot of fun. I love it's not going it. to be a productive day for it. you guys. Yeah. That's fine. <laughs> We're okay with that. And by the way, one suggestion, although it's awesome out here in the summer, uh, if you're up for it, come during the winter and we'll go skiing. Uh-oh. Oh, boy. <laughs> That's not a yeah. good thing for me. <laughs> yeah. Jimmy Get doesn't you. ski. Here's some Jameson. <laughs> All right, let's go skiing. <laughs> faster, 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 oh, faster, faster. faster. Yes. <laughs> One more time. One more time. Yeah. Where's Jimmy? For uh, snowbank. There you go. <laughs> the side of a mountain. All right, Andrew, thanks again for joining thanks, us. We buddy. really appreciate it. Uh, you're welcome. Yeah. Come on back anytime. Thank you guys so much. Have a wonderful welcome. day. Thank right, you. Brother. Everybody, we'll Take see you later. Back. See you next week. Awesome. See you, Jim. Yeah, man. All right, buddy. Bye. Yeah.